How's it going? You know what, man? For uh, for my first day back at like having to deal with an alarm clock again after a week mm-hmm. off, you know, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. Probably better than I have any business like complaining about. To be sure, that's fair. Uh, yeah, no, it was, you know, it was a good day. It is days like today though are days where I'm glad you know teaching theology. Um, I've got some very easy kind of built in get the ball rolling kind of things that I can do. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, we generally Monday is the day where we see all of the classes. We don't have the block schedule on Mondays. And so uh, normally on Monday, we'll use it as like a prayer class. We've got half the class time. It's like, you know what? No, we're going to do a lot of Lexio Divina is mostly what happens. It's like, okay, cool. We're going to do Lexio Divina today. And so I got to like, you know, welcome them back, have a couple quick chats about how their break was and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, so... In the interest of all of us uh, thriving as we get back into the swing of things here at school, I'm going to give you at least one class period today where you don't have anything to stress about. Mm-hmm. You're going to read these nine verses. You're going to give me a summary of them that you'll turn in. And the rest of the time is you like praying through these verses, finding that like part that really stands out to you, thinking about what it means, spending some time in prayer, giving God a chance to work with you. And then at the end of it, you're going to commit to one small concrete action, like either something you're going to do or something you're going to stop doing in response to the message from this passage. And that's what you're doing in class today. And uh, it was very peaceful for the most part. Uh, Definitely have a few of them who it's like, look, no, 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 you don't understand. Literally the only way for me to tell whether you're doing this or not on any level is number one, you're going to turn in the summary. So I'll know Mm -hmm. you've at least read it and understood the general concepts of the passage. And number two, you're going to be silent and respectful of those who are praying, even if you yourself are not praying. So you two who keep talking, knock it the heck off. (laughs) And I did have with one class where I had to be like, okay, so we're, we're four minutes into this 40-minute time of prayer, and this is my third time talking to you. So just know I'm done talking to you. <laughs> You're done talking to each other. Uh, so, and sorry, Mr. Enfield. Sorry. I just sit here and think, like, I wonder, I wonder where I would be if I had a class in high school that told me to, pr- you know, taught me to pray and apply it to my life. You know, like, like, I just think like that's an awesome opportunity. Like I, I, I definitely did not have anything close to that type of formation at all. Yeah. And it is, it's one of those things like sometimes I get frustrated and like, wonder if I should like stop because I know there's a bunch of them who are like racing through getting their summary taken care of. And then they're like working on things for other classes or um, Mm -hmm. reflecting on the inside of their eyelids, whatever the case may be. And at the same time, though, what I keep reminding myself is, you know, every time there are a couple of kids who are getting something out of it Mm -hmm. and it's not always the same ones. Right. And so like my, my job 
in a lot of ways is to try and kind of uh, expose them to the tool belt, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. that utility belt Batman style mm-hmm. with uh, like, look, this is one type of prayer. Here are a bunch of others that we're going to expose ourselves to as we keep going. Um, but like, we're going to practice all of them pretty routinely so that when you find yourself in a spot where you need it, you know what it is and you know how to use it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think about, uh, you know, like when my parents were fostering, I used to tell them all the time, like, look, you're not going to see the fruit of your work. Yeah. Like, so Alan was the one that I always told us about, you know, like they invested so much into him. And I was like, look, it's going to take him 15 years. He's going to come back when he's 30 and has a kid or two kids and, and finally realizes, holy crap. This is what you did for me. Like, because the form is there, they, they might not understand mm-hmm. it or the function type of a thing. And then eventually it will come to life and they'll use it and they'll be like, oh, I know how to use this. Like, this is a, I remember this from high school type of a thing. <laughs> and yeah. it's going to have, it's going to have an impact that you'll never see that you just have to hope for, basically. But I'm pretty confident in it that if just doing the motions is more than, most people get, you know, and it'll come, oh. it'll come full circle eventually. Spiritual muscle memory is still a thing. Yeah. Like, you know, like you were just saying, to a certain extent, are they going through the motions now? Yeah, absolutely. Do I sometimes go through the motions when I'm doing these things? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Dang>. Oh, yes. <laughs> absolutely. But that doesn't change the fact that, like, going through the, even when I'm not fully invested there's still something that's happening there because I am still mm-hmm. on some level exposing myself to the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to have an impact, but also it is training myself and gradually kind of, uh, you know, that idea of, uh, conversion, like literally turning like conversion in a lot of, in most situations is like this incremental turn each time. Mm-hmm. And so like, even if it's almost unnoticeable, my head is turning slightly more in the direction of Christ at that point. Yeah. And so it's, it's progress. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's visible or not. Love it. Love it. All right. Let's hit intro and jump into it. Welcome to the podcast, Blue Collar Scholars. Not long ago, a group of brilliant minds met together at a pub to discuss their unfinished works. They recognize the value of coming together around delicious beverages and having meaningful conversations. That group was known as the Inklings. The Inkledoo podcast here, we're working to be the second iteration of that group. So pour yourself a craft beverage, pull up a chair, and join the conversation. Okay, so I'm not going to ask you the same question because we know that you're adjusting your beverage consumption. I, I appreciate that. Are, are you mixing up your coffee routine? Have you uh, done... Some interesting tea or other. Ooh, you know what? Actually, tea is a good that you know that I'm gonna go ahead and file the tea away as a suggestion for for future movements. Because since I am adjusting my beverages, I probably need to give some different varieties of tea a try. Because I've got to be honest, like I've only ever had tea when I had a serious cold and my throat was killing me, and then it mm. was like the peppermint with some lemon or honey added to yep, it yep and i'm yep. i'm gonna be real honest with you not a fan but yeah uh so i will try and mix some more of that stuff in actually moving I've, forward 
I've gotten some, some, there's some, like, some of the herbal teas, like, at night, like, while I'm sitting there reading my book before bed, and with mm. some of the herbal teas, like, I can, I can get behind that, you know? Okay. There, it's not, like, my go-to, like, if you sure. put a cup of coffee in a herbal tea, I'm gonna be like, don't play I'll with take me, the coffee. you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that's, I, I don't know who we're kidding here. Uh, <laughs> but as far as um, getting creative with the coffee, uh not a ton. So I was looking to this past Sunday. I wanted to hit one of the local coffee shops like after mass because I am a chronic early riser at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like I was up and went to the um, went to mass at like 7 a.m. And so I'm done at eight. And I was like, OK, cool. I'm going to swing through somewhere and grab some coffee on my way back home. But. What I didn't factor in was the fact that Phoenix is a city constantly under construction. Mm-hmm. And so, lo and behold, by the time I figured out how to get in the general direction I wanted to go, I was basically home. And so I ended up not doing it. Um, <laughs> I hate that where you're just like, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, no. I'm, I, at this point, I'm going to have to drive like past my house. Not quite to the point where I can see it out my car window. Yeah, But it's like, oh, so in two streets is the turn I need to make to go home. And about a half mile beyond that is where I need to turn to then drive another mile to the coffee shop. <laughs> you know what, man? I'm I'm 100% over this. It's I, too I just, much. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, okay. at least I'm able to put together a uh, mildly amusing anecdote about my inability <laughs> to drink anything interesting this week. Uh well, Hopefully what... next week I'll have the antidote rather than the anecdote, and we'll be good to go. Deal. Well, I, I'll make up for it because I yes. had I had an interesting beverage this weekend. So, I so my youngest is in a city dance class, and it's at the community center, which is right across the street from a coffee shop. And, and the coffee shop is it's it's okay. It's very hipster, uh, <laughs> and and not always well executed. Like it's. Their their operation anyway, it's it's like a good idea, but not always perfectly done well. And so we went, and I was looking through the menu. I was like, I'm gonna mix it up, and and so they had one called the Serial Killer, and it was homemade or not homemade, but like store made fruity pebble milk. Oh, okay, okay, and, and espresso. So basically, they took fruity pebbles and put it in milk. You know, and then like scooped uh-huh. out the fruity pebbles, so you had the the cereal milk, and then dumped a shot of espresso in it. I got it iced, and <laughs> it was so freaking good. Like, I was I gonna can't... say that that sounds like childhood. It, it was so awesome. I was so mad. <laughs> Actually, I guess uh, it, it sounds like... like childhood in cocaine. Like, yeah, it was like five dollars for a twelve ounce cup, though. Like, it was. This is a. It's an expensive coffee shop, but I was like. This is so amazing. <laughs> I'm really mad about how much I'm liking this. Oh my god. And then which led into the conversation that night with me and my wife on cereals and, and how much I genuinely love cereal. Like I love uh... just about every cereal out there. like let's not get crazy, not like grape nuts and and sure, like, sure, sure, sure. you know like there's yeah. a part in the aisle where you could just like cut it off and be gone but like even like the raisin bran and shredded wheat like i'm in right so like all of it like i there's not a cereal i think i dislike like i, I just Damn. Oh, i love cereal so hmm. much 
I don't know. <clears throat> so we were talking about doing a, a top 10. Like we should do this one time. If we ever get back into video is so like dude, perfect. They did a top 10 serials yep. and it oh, was yeah. super, super entertaining. I really enjoyed it. And I was like, I really want to do one of those. <laughs> I, I'm down. I'm down. I, uh, I, cause I, I will say one of the things I love about those guys is with the, a big enough group of them, the, the way that they are just like mercilessly like yelling at each other and actually getting yes. physically upset over some of the choices that are being made. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with it, if it was just the two of us going at it, it might be a lot more subdued than that. But I still, mm-hmm. I think, I think that would be kind of fun to every. Well, now we might and then. add some other color commentary in there, sure, just to, just to spice it up. But yeah, well, but I mean, like, regardless, even like taking turns being uh, making our top ten as we like mm-hmm. mock and harass each other about things that obviously don't belong there or obviously do. I think yeah. that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, that have to, that might need to be like our next instead of bracket, we do a top ten. I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Oh, alrighty. So we've been talking about saints and, and we were really focused on authors in the Bible. Yeah. And I really benefited a lot from these last few conversations, actually, like, like reading through it now, I'm re- I'm reading acts in my, in my mm. quiet time. And I'm just like, it's just like reading about Paul is just so much different for me now, having just taken some time to talk about him as a person and then see the person in, as the author, you know, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, man, this is just... And so it's re- been really a, a huge benefit. And one of the things that I've always really liked about the, I don't know, the old school traditions, right? So mm-hmm. like the Roman Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox traditions both have the saints, mm-hmm. you know, and there's even some like Reformed, theology, uh, Reformed Protestants will will acknowledge, you know, they'll call them St. Augustine. And, you know, like, so there's sure. some some of the Protestant traditions, which all are also usually the more older school, like Anglican and stuff. But the the saints are part of that those traditions that I, I really like. And I'm not, I'm not 100% sure why yet. Other than that, it, I guess, like, when I, I remember when I decided to, to go through RCIA and be confirmed in, in the church, Catholic church, it, it, there was like this richness of tradition. And I felt like I had this linear connection to my past that I mm-hmm. never had before, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, and that, that, that felt really important to me that I'm, that I'm not just believing this thing that's talked about in this book, but that like, I'm following these people that have carried it on for thousands of years and who were there. Like, like we talked about, like John was there yeah, and he had disciples and his disciples were, you know, arguing the theology that we, that we hold. And so that, that connection was always been really big for me on the saints. And so, you know, I, I thought since we both have patrons or, you know, we, I think we both kind of had the same thought was that, you know, we should talk about, about them as well. Yeah. And maybe, you know, even if we really dig these conversations, maybe pick out a couple more interesting ones. I don't, I don't, I haven't dug into them a whole lot, you know, so like I would have to do some research if there's more you want to talk about. But, um, I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on just the saints in general? Yeah. Well, I think so. 
I think part of what you're talking about there is, again, this similarity between our spiritual and our natural lives. You know, if you think about it, how many different sites are there out there and uh, different uh, companies that will research it for you if you want to know your family tree or you want to know exactly where your family came from here, spit into this little vial and send it to our lab and we'll tell you your exact genetic breakdown. And the reason these things exist is for one very simple reason. Human beings like to know our history. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we all believe we came from somewhere and are going somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. that, that sense of direction and purpose is really important for us. And I think that's a big part of what makes the saints so valuable for us. In addition, there's also just the, just the real kind of accountability on things like, you know, even knowing how perfect Jesus is and knowing that he is God made man, like he is one of us, but I mean, come on, he's not just one of us, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, of course Jesus did all these things. And of course Jesus was able to do this and able to do this. But then, you know, when we start talking about the saints, these mere mortals, not vastly different than us. And it's like, oh, well, they pulled it off. Like, oh, you know, uh, you mentioned St. Augustine earlier. I love the fact that the confessions are still around because it's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, he wasn't perfect. He was an utter schmuck. (laughs) Like, he was, he had some issues. And yet, like you said, regardless of Almost regardless of, I'm sure there are probably some various Christian groups out there that have no uh, respect for St. Augustine, but like in general, throughout most of the Christian world, you're not going to find anyone who doesn't at least treat him with great reverence as this incredible Christian thinker Mm -hmm. after the life that he led. And so it's kind of this proof of concept for us when we look at the saints that we have these people who you know what? They actually did it. They, they faced human challenges with human gifts and the support of God almighty. And they triumphed. They won. So I guess that means it is actually possible for me to do the same. Uh And this is where I sometimes struggle with, uh, some of the, some of the things that, we the trappings that we can kind of fall into when we're talking about the saints where we like overly idealize them. And, you know, the, the miraculous stories are incredible and I love them and I find them utterly fascinating. But at the same time, uh, I really wish we had more like we do on St. Augustine, you know, where we know some of the other stories survived as well. And I understand why they don't. Like, you know, again. It's even celebrity not, mindset, yeah. Well, not even just celebrity mindset, but think about it even on like a just very human level. If you think someone at work is a slime ball and you have no problem saying it today, but they pass away tomorrow, 
Yeah, I guess that's true. all of a sudden. Like, what happens? Like, well, I don't want to. I don't want to talk soon. bad about the dead, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then by the time that it becomes like no longer um, an issue of sensitivity to discuss it, it's just kind of one of those things where there's not a reason to discuss it. Period. Right. Like, and so the those heroic stories, those are the ones that stick around. Right. Um, and just yeah, I, like you said, the the practical. Who is going to take the time to write down all of the silly things that somebody does? You know, exactly. Unless, unless they are documented all the time, right? Which nobody is. You know, you're just going to remember the. We're getting close. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. Right now, it's going to be different. It's going to be different in the future for sure. Yeah, we the 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 saints who are being formed right now. Some of them are going to have a fairly detailed list of the various goofball, knuckleheaded mm-hmm. things that they've done. Um, God willing, we'll be on that list. Uh, whether anyone else considers us saints or not, I, you know, again, there's that idea, you know, the Catholic church is big on its capital and lowercase yeah. letters. So yeah, I was gonna say, I just need one to think that I don't care about anybody else. That's true. That's exactly <laughs> it. I, I, I want to be the lowercase S saint, one of the souls in heaven. That's all I'm looking for. Whether anyone down on earth knows it or not is not in any way, shape or form important. Um, but yeah, like we are, we're called to that. We've got that proof of concept coming from our forebears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that proof of concept. That's a good use. So why don't we jump into yours first? Okay. Um, why don't you give us like a little, like just an intro and a why? Like why, like why he's chose. my patron? Yeah. Yes. So I guess, hang on, before we do that even, why do we select patrons? Well, okay, so... And then we can dig into that. So I apologize in advance for anyone who's not a sports fan listening to this, but I mean, it is March Madness and, you know, the Suns are a real contender again mm-hmm. and we're coming mm-hmm. up on playoff time and everything. So my mind is largely kind of focused in that general direction. That's fair. Um, but like... As a fan, why do you pick a team? Because it's not really possible to, in great detail and with great devotion, follow everyone. Or, you know, why do you have a favorite player? Because there's something about them that kind of resonates with you. And because of that, you decide to follow along with them more closely than you do others. Even if you can acknowledge that there are all these other incredible players or these other really good teams, you can acknowledge that, but you're not investing your energy in a real, in that fan relationship really with all of them because it wouldn't be possible in kind of the same way with the saints. The, the greatest benefit we have for them is not just that proof of concept that we were discussing earlier, but that possibility for actual relationship this idea that you can have a friend in heaven who is already perpetually in that presence of God to intercede for you and to, and to like intercede with you, mm-hmm. you know, like to offer prayers to God, but to also be that one who you've developed enough of a relationship with that you can kind of hear them when they're talking or when they communicate with you. And so there is that benefit of having a patron or multiple patrons. Like it doesn't have to be just one, but generally speaking, you're looking for 
we look for saints who we have some kind of a connection with, whether it's, you know, when I'm working with junior high and high school students, a lot of times it's kind of a, a focus on what do you want to do? Cause here are some saints who have followed similar paths. Um, other times it's, you know, uh, a saint who has experienced similar trauma to yours or similar wounds. Mm. Um, and again, like, I I know I said, it's not just the proof of concept, but again, that is part of what the relationship is. It's like, you know what, uh, you who, uh, struggled with an addiction to drugs and yet became a saint, help me to, to see, how you did and help me to draw close to Christ as you did. And again, that's one of the key things to keep in mind is that the, the role of the saints is always to bring us closer to Christ, not to bring us closer to them. Correct. 100%. And so like looking for a saint who has uh, either gone through things similar to you uh, or has, achieved what you hope to achieve or even just that you admire and you hope to follow their example ultimately with the idea that they're always guiding you closer to christ as they found their way to christ I like that. um and Those so that's that, that's basically the purpose of having a patron um all that eloquence having been said i'm about to just utterly submarine that uh, theory with uh, my experience and practice. So, my, yeah, again, I, I was not always a theology teacher. I was once a student in catechism classes getting ready for confirmation and was told, hey, you need to pick a, a patron saint. And I was like, oh, OK, well. What, what happens if I pick them as a saint? They're like, well, you know, in general, a lot of times people will kind of uh, use that saint's name as like their middle name, as a recognition of their relationship <laughs> was, and their bond I with them. I was hoping this is true. Oh, I, yeah. No, no. This is, this is 100% what it was. And for those of you who don't know me other than that I'm AJ, the J does stand for Joseph. And so that was the... Well, that was about 85 to 90% of my thought process on it as a junior in high school. I was like, all right, cool. So Joseph's my middle name. St. Joseph, kind of a big deal. I mean, he was the one who, you know, God entrusted with helping to raise Christ, you know. So, yeah, that, that's a good one. I'll go with him. And the other, like, 5 to 10% of my decision-making process that was left after, uh, I've already got the name, so that'll work. And then Joseph is definitely a, a good saint. I'm 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 in good hands here. Yeah. The the last fair. little shred of that pie chart that needed to be filled in came down to the fact that I found it really funny for a few months leading up to and immediately after my confirmation to say that my name was Alfred Joseph Joseph because I was adding his uh, to my name. I'm not proud of it. I'm. I mean, I hear you're laughing. I'm. I'm. You know, I'm kind of smirking at myself over here, but that's no, about as much as I can work up. It's no, what like, I thought was going to be the story. I Like, I don't remember you telling me this, oh. but it's what I thought was going to be the story, but I wasn't sure, but I really hoped that it was. I was like, look, so uh, a little peek behind the curtains. Uh, 
I make a lot of the kind of outlines for what we're going to talk about as kind of a starting point. And then Brandon and I will go back and forth on them a little bit, like posting additional things in there and building off of it. Um, but so since I'm the one who's getting to enter them and I knew we were going to start off with mine today, I gave some serious thought to, cause again, I do have, he is my patron saint, my confirmation name saint, but there are other saints who I also have like a relationship with who mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought about doing purely because it's like, all right, for the sake of my pride, maybe I go with St. Thomas Aquinas, who is definitely my homeboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to hear me talk about him though, I recommend you look up the interview that I did with the guys at Barbatus yeah, podcast. Um, shameless plug inserted here. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I genuinely, I was like, uh, and I do like, it is one of those things where I occasionally in my more scrupulous moments where I get like really focused on finding how I'm doing things wrong. I'll sit here and think things like, uh, I'm totally taking St. Joseph way too lightly. I'm making a mockery of him as my patron. It's like, no, actually I'm not. I'm the reality is that. Yeah. As a high school kid, uh, yeah. Oh, the the other part that I left out was that like one of the requirements for it was at the time, at least you had to do like a, a short essay, like calling it an essay is probably a stretch, right? Yeah. But like a, a short yeah. write up about Summary. the saint and why you've chosen them and all these kinds of things. It's like, okay, cool. St. Joseph will be easy to write about. Uh, one of the things that he's most famous for is that there's not a ton of information about him. So I've got a total built in excuse for it being short. Um, and, and all of these things, it's like, you know what though, regardless of what my reasoning was because I picked him, I got like some St. Joseph medals. I got some prayers to St. Joseph and things like that. And it did become like an, an actual relationship. Like right now, you know, um, we just had his, uh, feast day this past weekend. And so like, I'm in the middle of doing a, a novena to, to St. Joseph for a special intention, which is, you know, not, it's not purely a result of me having chosen him as my confirmation saint by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a connection where it's like, regardless of what my thoughts about it at the time were, uh, God and St. Joseph, I'm sure we're having a laugh up in heaven when they're like, this is why he's picking it, but he has no idea. Right. And that's how it works out sometimes. Man. Exactly. Like there's there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I think there's probably quite a few where where God knew what he was doing, you know? Mm-hmm. For how many like how many they started doing confirmations down in like fourth grade now, right? Yeah. So like that that's the that's very much the difference between, you know, when you're asked at fourth grade or middle school to pick your patron saint versus, you know, like me where I was already a, in theology and Sure. In college when I had to pick mine. So yeah, I, I, or like I think even that's just, just how, the, how it the works number out of people sometimes. who even just the number of people who like picked um like Saint Sebastian because they're high school athletes. And like but yeah. Your yeah. high your athletic career ended at high school. So like that doesn't mean that that relationship with Saint Sebastian is not like further helpful beyond right. that. But it's like, you know, we operate at a very surface level like especially when we're talking about things having to do with god the reality is when we feel like we've gone really really deep we're still at that like tiniest 
infinitesimal little fraction of the right. depth of God. And so we just have to, you know, as we've talked about before, give ourselves that kind of grace and that patience to acknowledge, uh, okay, so my reasoning might not have been perfect, but God, I know you're going to use it anyway. Right. And, I, you know, we're, we're joking about it, but like you said, St. Joseph is... He's kind of a big deal, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so, like, and it makes kind of sense, too, because, you know, we have the blue-collar scholar thing that we like. You know, Joseph is in the holy family, basically. I think that's mm-hmm. what we call it, right? Yep. Uh, but he was really a simple, good man, you know? Like, yeah, not wanting to, to throw Mary under the bus, wanting to, you know, because he could have just made a scene. Right. Oh, absolutely. Stone, but he was trying. He just seems, and everything that he did, he was just like, he's got no words in the Bible, right? That <laughs> not I know a of. single one. No, no. But, like, not just that you know of. Like, period. Yeah. At no point do we ever get. And then Joseph said, right? Like, never. But he's, but he's proven good multiple times. Not he mm-hmm. displays it in his action in his, with Mary, and then also like, you know. God doesn't just, you know, give visions to random schmoes very often, you know, like you got to kind of know. Well, and like, actually, that's a really good point, too. Something that I didn't think of until you just said that, like, because Joseph does get multiple. And so, like, the first one makes a lot of sense that, you know, when Joseph is considering divorcing Mary quietly because this woman who has been promised to him in marriage, he finds out is pregnant. But like you said, he's not looking to cause her shame or possibly have her stoned. So he's going to go the quiet divorce route, just end things that way. And it makes sense that like God appearing to Mary and telling her what to say to Joseph is not going to be super helpful at that point. Mm -hmm. So God appears to Joseph in a vision uh, or sends an angel to speak to him in a dream. Right. um, And tells him like not to be afraid to take Mary in as his wife because this is what's happened. The Holy Spirit has come upon her. That's how she's pregnant. And so there, there's that one. But on the other hand, when they're in Bethlehem and the three wise men have come and gone and Herod has realized that the three wise men are not coming back to him, going to report on the location of this newborn king of the Jews. Mm-hmm. And Herod slaughters the innocent in Bethlehem, it's not Mary who the angel appears to and says, you need to go down Mm -hmm. to Egypt. And it could have been like, it absolutely could have been. There's everything we have seen from Joseph. uh, Everything that we do see from him suggests that he would have taken that very seriously. And he would have followed what God said through Mary. Mm -hmm. But instead the Lord speaks to Joseph again yep, and tells him what needs to happen. And so, yeah, like, and it's in Egypt too. Like when they're in Egypt, God goes to Joseph and, and Joseph brings him home. So, you know, there's a level of, um, being attuned to God and responding in faith that is, you know, he doesn't have a, a, an angel like Mary, he has a vision. So like he has to, have a history like it just this is me you know projecting onto the story because it's not written there but from my experience you have to have a level of familiarity with god to recognize god you know like i think of like the sheep they know my voice like 
he responds to that because he knows that voice. And so the assumption is, is that he's a man of God and, yeah. and, and a, and one that responds and acts and is in response to God right then. Doesn't question, doesn't argue. Like God says, go, he gets up and goes. Yeah, and he exactly. does it. And I think that's to me, um, one of the two major things about Joseph as my kind of like big takeaways and things that really pull me in is that as someone who is, this is not a situation where I relate to Joseph as much as it's a situation where I desire to relate to Joseph Mm -hmm. because we've Mm -hmm. talked before plenty of times about the uh, paralysis by analysis um, that we can fall victim to where I can feel like there's something I'm supposed to do. And then by the time I've sat there and thought through all the things that ought to happen or should happen and all of this kind of stuff, I've given myself enough distance that I can say, ah, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe that was, maybe that was wishful thinking. Maybe that was me instead of God, which is one of the trickiest things about discernment is trying to like find that line between yes, our desires are part of the process, but like being able to like distinguish between God's calling and our wishful thinking. And so like Joseph doesn't give that opportunity. Like when God speaks to Joseph, when God tells Joseph, this is how it ought to be. Joseph says, okay, then I'm going to do that. And because of that, he's able to act decisively. He's able to, you know, and, and I know this is kind of an, an odd statement to make considering who we're talking about him modeling it for, but like he is still the earthly father of Christ, the father, mm-hmm. the foster father. And so like he's modeling manhood to his son. And like he is like manfully carrying out that duty when the Lord speaks he figures out how to make it happen. He does what needs to be done in order to follow that will of God. Mm. And there isn't a lot of hemming and hawing. There isn't a lot of, oh, well, I don't know. He's not negotiating. Like, again, we don't... When you look in the Old Testament, it's one of the coolest things to me, but it's also, you know, uh, yeah. like the, that negotiation that occurs between God and his people, you right. know, whether it's Moses or Abraham or any of them, where... God says something and they're like, well, but what about, we don't get any lines from Joseph. That's not how Joseph approaches any of this. Yeah. God tells him and he does. And that is one of the two like main things for me about Joseph. The other one ties into it just sort of vaguely in the sense that like, I can be very insecure about a lot of things. Like I can, it's part of why I get trapped in my own head so much. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, Joseph is the one who God entrusted with the earthly protection of Mary and Jesus. And so I have no qualms whatsoever about, like, feeling safe and comforted with with Joseph there in my Mm -hmm. corner. Mm -hmm. And again, let's not get things twisted. I I know Jesus says very clearly that, like, if he called on a legion of angels he would have them so i'm i'm not saying like joseph was out hitting the heavy bag out behind the uh the carpentry <laughs> shop 
like making sure he was ripped enough to handle any bandits that might get in the just way. Like benching oxen plows. I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't like, just put just, it on this ox here. I got it. Yeah, no, I hear Joseph you. is the one getting yoked. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> uh, I it's so good for my self esteem when I can send you into those giggle fits, man. <laughs> um, but no, like. I, I don't mean that, but it is still one of those things. Like he had yes. that responsibility. He was the provider. He was the caretaker. And so while again, I aspire to be that. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that presence for me as well. Mm-hmm. That way that he reflects that divine fatherhood of God again in a more understandable human form for me. Hmm. Yeah. And one of the things I think that's interesting about him too is it's in tradition, not in not in the Bible, but the the story of what do they call it? The the blissful death. Yes. Is that, is that what it's called? Yeah. Is blissful the right word? I believe so. I, I'm with you, like I'm not But that he died in the presence of Mary and Jesus. So like he had done his duty and died not just with like like he didn't have to cross over to see jesus like you know like we're gonna have to but right jesus was there with him when he passed over and and to just think that like a good man who did his work well both spiritually and physically Mm -hmm. got to pass peacefully knowing that the messiah was in the world and was with him and could basically just kind of pass the torch on like like there you go. I did I did my duty. You are now, you know, I think tradition says Jesus was 12 or 14 or something like that when, or 11. Well, I, I would guess probably, I think, uh, 14, because I think he's 12 in the scriptures uh, when he gets lost in the temple and Joseph and okay. Mary go back for him. So it's something young, but, yeah. but I mean, like, the ages of a man back then were different than they are sure. nowadays. Nowadays, you're 26 when you move back in with your parents. But, you <sighs> know, like, like I just, the that picture of him, like I said, just a good man who did good work and, pa- and passed with this blissful death in the presence of Jesus just seemed like that, that, cherry on top for like you lived a good life you did this good Mm -hmm. things and you had a good death sounds like a weird thing to say like i'm not a spartan over here but that that like (laughs) you know what i mean like well clearly because what you're because what you're what you're talking about is a good death makes it very clear you're not a spartan like right again it's not joseph out there like giving his life fending (laughs) off the bandits or anything like that who are right no but like i think that's what more could you ask for you know, and I like, think it's important, too, for us to keep in mind, like, death is part of our fallen nature at this point. And so when we realize that, there are a few different ways we can react to it. There is the kind of fearful denial of it, uh, where, you know, people, you know, are... are modern obsession with the pursuit of youth or youthful like things uh, in all aspects of our life, regardless of our age is a like kind of cultural resonance with that. Um, There is the flip side of that, which is kind of the, uh, the death seeking 
those who um, desire death as an end to suffering or uh, a rejection of life rather than a seeking mm. of death. Mm. Like, oh, well, if, if life is going to end anyway, then why do I want it now? Um, or the other option is to live a life such that when your life is done, you are able to say, you know, look, are there other, I have no doubt there are other things that Joseph wished he could have done Mm -hmm. here on earth. Like I bet Joseph, uh, would have wanted to be there supporting Mary at the, the foot of the cross Mm-hmm. when Jesus is up there to not have um, Mary seeing their son die with, you know, friends and followers, but not family. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he knew that wasn't his concern or his business. He had been given the time that the Lord gave him and he was able to face that death in bliss and peace, knowing that he had done what he was supposed to with the time that he had been given. Yeah. There was a, there's a sense of completion there. Uh, that is our hope for a good death. Our, our death being good or not, isn't really dependent on the manner in which it happens, but the manner in which we greet it. Hmm. Mm. That's well said. Hmm. I think that's a good a good summary of Joseph. Yeah, like I was really I, I really enjoyed looking into him a little bit. I spent not a whole lot of time. I, I was still working, but I, I sure. snuck in some some reading about him and and I was like, Man, yeah, like I, I don't think I gave this guy enough thought, enough credit because you're he's really not in there a whole lot and but just and, and if I'm gonna wrap it up into a life lesson, I like I think we just kind of came to it right there, and, and it's just that, you know, Joseph exemplifies for me being a good man, living a good life, so that when it comes to the end, exactly, you can be like, yeah, I did what I came to do, and you can and you can keep going, you know, mm-hmm. and not not be gripping back for more time because you you knew you did what you were supposed to do. It's like a, a type of confidence to be able to transition. And I think that's something worth um, going after. Absolutely, man. I think, I think for me, one of my big things that I would want to take from the example of Joseph is his heroic humility. You know, um, this idea that, uh, He's not self-asserting. He's not putting himself uh, center stage, but he is putting himself out there. He's doing everything that needs doing to the best of his ability. Um, but like, there's not a... It's almost effortless, his effort. <laughs> Which is, man, a, a weird statement. But, like, there's not a intentionality to it. It's a mm. habitual. It's I a habitual you, thing. I know what you mean. Like, when you see somebody who's done, who's so good at something, it looks like it's just natural, but yes. they've practiced it their whole life. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and it goes back to what you were talking about with his being in tune 
to the movements of the Lord. Like, we only see Joseph in these few incredibly brief glimpses. But what we don't see is the way this man had lived his entire life, making sure that if the Lord spoke, he would hear. And I think there's something Mm. incredibly inspiring about that and also very comforting. Again, from the idea that, like, in, in part because Joseph never went out of his way to make anything about him, here we are a couple thousand years later talking about what an incredible example he is. Mm-hmm. Because he did what there was to do, and he handled it in the moment. He wasn't mm-hmm. worried about... He wasn't worried about making a lasting impact. He worried about making the impact he could, and then God would make it last. And I think that's, for me, that's kind of my big focus point, my life lesson wrapping them up. I like that. I like that a lot. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Well, as we wrap up here, everybody, if uh, you are also on the path of trying to be a good person and, and do good work, we, you need coffee for that. At least as a, <laughs> yeah. as a high school teacher, AJ will vouch for the fact that coffee is necessary for being a good person most of the time. Preach. <laughs> so if you need some delicious coffee, you would like to support us in our mission for meaningful conversations, uh, please jump on the website, inkledo.com. We sell coffee there, and we would love to roast it fresh and send it to you. So uh, jump on there, get a bag. We will... We'll, We'll get it to you as soon as we can. And after that, man, you got anything else on your brain? Not a thing. Right on, right on. All right, with that, we will say... Adieu. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to another Inkledoo podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. We really enjoyed making it. If you did enjoy it, please do us a favor and make sure to share it on all your own social media so that other people can find us and enjoy us as well. 